0: Alright, let's read it first. In Exodus chapter 20, in verse number 1, I'm just going to start from 1. We're going to be in 4 through 6 tonight. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of any image that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So last week, we we talked about the premise of the Ten Commandments. We introduced the idea that um, are they relevant for today or is it part of the Old Testament covenant or law that we no longer need to follow? And we we laid out the premise that the Ten Commandments are not only um, backed up in the New Testament by Jesus, but that they're good for living today and in our lives today. They do fall under that category of Old Testament law, so we, we always want to take everything with a grain of salt as far as um, you know to the letter of the law and we know that we're not to follow the Old Testament law to the letter right The Old Testament law had many kosher laws and rules um, That we, we don't have to follow on this side of the cross And many of the, the, the 613 different commandments that came out of the Mosaic law Were not bound by those commandments But that doesn't mean we take the entire Mosaic law The entire principles of the heart of God And we throw them in the trash In these commandments, we have the heart of God. And so in context, I'm going to start with this and then I want to end with this because I think it's super important. I think for me as as an individual, as a Christian, as a person, and one of the things I struggled with very much as a young Christian was when I started to understand and hear and read about God's laws and about... Um, God's commandments and rules and the ten commandments specifically in my mind I always thought that these laws and these commandments would bind me they would they would hold me back from enjoying life And it was God's way of preventing me from having fun and enjoying things When, when and when actually it's exactly the opposite the whole context here of Exodus and, and study. And don't forget, we started in Exodus chapter 1. And we marched through 20 chapters of Exodus before we took this break. But the heart of the book of Exodus is free from bondage. And God is very concerned about, about people being free from bondage. It's a ministry of the Holy Spirit to this day of convicting people of sins who are in the world in bondage and God frees us from that bondage. And this was was the time in history where God brought His people out of bondage and right in the beginning, God shows up and, and, and as we talked about last week, what was so important and powerful and what makes this Exodus chapter 20 so unique to the Bible and so powerful is that God spoke the Ten Commandments with His own voice. God showed up, he set the ground rules, he didn't want anybody on the mountain, he wanted Moses to keep people off of Mount Sinai and not to come near it, and he was going to show up on top of the mountain and he was going to speak himself. And then as we know in the, in the later chapters, Moses is going to go up on the mountain and God with his own finger is going to write on the tablets the Ten Commandments. And so it's, it's really monumentous in this point of history, and the whole point of it is God doesn't want us in bondage. We, we talked about the example last week of a, of a, of a father who has a son who, who plays in the front yard. And, and, and they live on a busy street. And, and the son, it's dangerous if he goes out into the street. And so the father builds a fence around the house. We said we were going to get back to it. We didn't get there. And we said, what happens if the, if the son leaves um, the, the bounds of the fence? It's dangerous, right? Right. He's going to get hit by a car. Is the fence there because the father doesn't love the son? Is the fence there because the father wants to prohibit and bind the son from adventuring the world? No. At this age, in this stage, the son's going to get hit by a car. It's dangerous. And so it's preventing dangers in his life. It's it's to protect his son because he loves his son. And if his son gets out of the fence, then then it's the, the heart of any father to bring him back in, to love him. And as we've been studying, as it goes along with this in First John on Sunday mornings, God has made a... A a provision in knowing that we are not going to follow all the commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will abide by my commandments. If you love me, Jesus said, basically, you will do what I say. You will do, you will follow, you will abide by the commandments. John reiterates that in 1 John. And what we spent time on Sunday unpacking, I hope you were here and heard it. If you weren't, you'll get a quick summary. But what we spent time unpacking was, as Christian people, the Bible says, if, if I'm a Christian, and if, and if I abide in Jesus, then I'll do His commandments. But the reality is, I understand I don't always do His commandments. And, and that can be such a struggle in our walk, thinking like, well, it's pretty clear here. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say, you'll do my commandments. And yet, I find myself struggling... And then John lays it out for us that that God has given His Son as propitiation, as a substitute for our sins. And God is interested in the matters of the heart. And we follow and we seek God in our heart and we desire. And when we stumble and when we fall, as we repent, as we ask forgiveness, as John told us, the Father forgives us, Jesus forgives us, His blood washes us. And, and, he's, and he's made a way for us to continue in that abiding and walking with Jesus and, and desiring to know and follow his commandments. So, again, that's the premise as we get into it. It's, God's purpose is to keep us free. It's what we just talked about. I'm going to end with this again. Um, parameters to keep us free. And and the, the, the heart and the premise here is freedom from bondage. All right? So let's get to the second commandment. Um, Exodus chapter twenty verse four, he says, "You shall not make for yourself carved images, any likeness, anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth." So, three premises: heaven, earth, and then below the sea. No carved images, no graven images. So, in heaven, that would be any pictures of Jesus, right? <laughs> any any um, pictures of the Father, any pictures of the Holy Spirit. Now the 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 you know when we see pictures of the Father, you ever see a picture of Father God? You know it's it's pretty popular in the in the tattoo culture to to pick to tattoo a picture of the Father, um, and it's always done in a certain way. And if you want to draw a picture or a tattoo of the Father, it always looks like this old man. With, with white hair, and he's got those eyes that don't, not really eyes, kind of like closed eyes, and you've ever seen that picture? I should have, I should have showed you one. And, and I don't know why in our mind's eye that we, um, we want to have an image of God as an old man. And maybe God's a young man. You know, God doesn't have to be an old guy just because he's lived for eternity past and eternity present, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily, maybe he's younger than most of us, appears younger than most of us, but we have this image of God. And he says, no false div- images, no graven images. And so, you know, here in church, I, I have and I, and I display a, a, an image of Jesus there. But do we, do we come in and do we kiss that image? Does any, do any of you worship that image? Do you bow down to it? When you come in, do you say, man, that, that image just just, this, just really makes me feel God in this place. When I come, I just feel God because of that picture. I feel Jesus here when I see that. That, that's idolatry, right? Because Jesus is not in that picture. It's not, you don't worship the picture. When you go to Israel, it's a big deal, especially when you go to the Western Wall. When you stand at the Western Wall in Israel, um, you, 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 you put prayer requests, you write them on paper, and you put them in the cracks of the wall. You can stand next to the wall, and you can pray. One of our pastors one time, of all the people, Pastor Jackie, of course, was the one. He, he knelt down in front of the wall. And he was just praying, and, and he just went to his knees, and he was just praying there at the wall. And immediately, the temple guards came in. They stopped him. They they told him, "Stand up. We don't worship the wall. We worship we worship God." And and so they made him stand up. And he wasn't worshiping the wall, but that was the um the the picture that we got. And we we see again. We see images all over the place. And I think that um, for me, well, like. Rio de Janeiro, we just had the Olympics, right? What, what's, you know, the, the famous thing in Rio, the icon of, of the statue of Jesus. Now, I, th- I think it's cool. I, I, I think that it's, um, you know, it, it's, it, Christ is, is the creator. He's our, he's, he's our God. He's our, he's our Lord, our Savior. And, and to have something that honors Him and glorifies Him, something that reminds us of Him, is, is okay. But it's idolatry if we kiss the feet of the statue, if we worship the statue, if we, we make and take graven images before ourselves. When you're in Israel again, unfortunately, when you go to all the holy sites, whenever you're in any of the Catholic holy sites, they're, they're, they are just riddled with graven images and statues and, um, you know, things and and rocks. And they had a statue of Peter in the Vatican. And um, the people would bow down and kiss his feet. And they kissed it so much, they kissed his big toe right off. It fell off the statue. And, you know, and what's interesting, though, is when you go into the Muslim sites or when you're in Muslim places, they have no graven images. They're very just they're decorative, but no images of God or, or things that should be worshipped. And it's because they understand and they follow the the second commandment that thou shalt have no graven images before you. So God says, you know, none of the heavens, none of none of God. And then he says of the earth and and. and Throughout our history, and we don't hear, but many places they have images that are worshipped, that are that are things of the earth. The cow, for whatever reason, is is worshipped in places, and you know even the Israelites in our story here in the next couple of chapters, they're going to carve a, a image of a cow and they're going to bow down and worship it. In India, they have um, everything is a god. The rats are gods. They don't kill the rats because they're 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 worshipped and they make idols of rats. And um, in China, as we know, in different places, they have the Buddha dolls. That you know, you go to a Chinese restaurant somewhere and they always have that shrine of the Buddha doll. And is it interesting how they have to like feed that fat cat? And you know, they're always putting oranges and things in front of him those those are that's idolatry engraven images our god is not in that statue whether we we feed that statue or not he's got a mouth and a big belly but he can't eat he's got ears but he can't hear he's got hands but he can't reach us and and we see that kind of idolatry done all over the world where we we worship things on the earth whether it's people whether it's cows rats and they're carved into images under the sea. In the Polynesian culture, some of their, their carved images and are, are the sea turtle. And they, they have images of a sea turtle that they worship and, and those types of things. And so, um, in the Bible, we have an example of... Um, you guys can turn there really quick if you want. Or I'll just actually turn there. You guys just listen for a second. In, um, in 1 Samuel, in chapter 4, we have this story of the Israelites lose a battle and the Ark of the Covenant is captured. And, and in this battle, the Ark of the Covenant is captured. And, and as you guys know, the um, the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant. This is a picture of it. And they place it in the house of one of the Philistine gods. So that god that's laying on the ground, this is a picture, that's Dagon. Dagon was a half man, half like mermaid, fish God. So you see the bottom half of him is like a mermaid or a fish. The top half of him is as if a man. And so they thought, you know, one God is good, then then two is, is just as good. And so they placed the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of Dagon. And basically the story um, in Second Samuel there, it goes on to tell the story of how they put it in there. And the first night they come in and Dagon had fallen over. And he was bowing down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And so they helped their God out, and they picked him back up and, and placed him back in place. And, and then the, the very next day they come back, the next morning they come back, and, and Dagon has fallen again before the face of the Lord. And this time his hands broke off, and his head, his head has fallen off. So they say, well, let's get rid of the Ark of the Covenant. And let's get rid of, of the God of the Hebrews or this image that bears the God of the Hebrews. And so just this, just this story of pagan idolatry that takes place in the Old Testament of Dagon and how they worship these these false idols and gods and they paid homage to them. And, you know, you, you had gods for different things. If you needed rain, then you, you paid homage and you worshiped the God of rain. If you needed um, prosperity, if you needed fertility, if you wanted pleasure, we, we got into those last week. Um, different gods you'll see you know that um god on the left is a hindu god part elephant part buddha man with the funny hand on the right there those are those are gods that are found in the middle east from the times from from the times where we're reading now all the way through the old testament history of these little images that are carved do you guys remember um laban when we were in genesis when when rachel and leah and 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 jacob left one of them stole his gods and he went and he chased, he chased them down. It would be some gods like this, some images like this. And so he went and he said, where's my gods? And why have you stolen my gods? And these would be the, the, the gods that, that were there. God's going to talk and dress that in Isaiah. We'll get to that. But these are images that we see right all over. This is um, an actual shrine. And this is um, that, that's a picture of the god Molech. We talked about him last week in our study. And so um, if he's got like a frog head. And, and Molech would go back to the Canaanites, the gods of the Canaanites. Um, you know, some of these gods were worshipped in, in different ways and kind of different names. But it's the same spirit behind these false gods that were worshipped throughout human history. Um, and they look, they got some fancy recliners there if you want to go down and hang out with Molech. Although Molech has chains on his wrists. Why do you think he's chained up? So he doesn't fly away? You think they feed him flies with his lizard head? And then this is another god from India. This is the god um, Shiva na- Nakara. Nakara, it's the goddess of dance um, for both creation and destruction. We highlighted this this deity or false idol that's that's worship today um when we went through our our study in uh, uh last summer this is an article from cern and cern is that place in switzerland where they are um they have it's a hadron collider we talked a little bit about cern and the um just the implications of cern and so this is an actual this is that statue i don't know how much of this you guys can see whoops i don't know what i'm gonna do here we go Am i gonna blow this so that is the actual um, CERN headquarters. The CERN logo there on the left looks like six six six. There's a plaque there on the left, and it just talks about that this the goddess of dance and destruction. And so um, CERN is a trillion dollar company out of Switzerland that right now is trying. Basically, they're trying to recreate the Big Bang. What the the they're 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 you have this huge hadron collider, and they're shooting. Um, atoms at warp speed and colliding them together to try to recreate the um, what would have happened or the phenomenon that would have happened in the Big Bang, and and they believe that when they do that successfully, they will open a portal. And so the whole the whole process is is very worldly, it's very new age, it's demonic, and so just interesting that you know we see these gods in the in the past, but now we have. Um, you know, examples today where, where people are are worshiping these gods. This is the god Horus or Osiris. This is where, have you guys seen the all-seeing eye? The all-seeing eye is very popular in uh, with the Illuminati today. And with, um, you know, you'll see uh, Jay-Z or something in his videos. And he's got his hands like this covering, exposing one eye and covering the other. And that, that idea of the all-seeing eye that That comes from this this Egyptian god Osiris, um, who was a god of eternity and and basically it's Satan in a nutshell um, but that's where it comes from. This is a place where you'll you'll see the all seeing eye on your dollar bills where where we have that um, so one of the things I think that hits us right away with this, you know, these false gods, these idols that that the pagans worship, you know, we, we, we look at our society today and we say, well, like, like it says in the video, well, we, we don't bow down to these false idols. We don't worship and put fruit in front of things that we we put as our gods. And, and how is this then relevant to us that we don't do that? Well, I think it's relevant in the New Testament. We'll get to the scriptures at the end. But all the way through, all the way into Revelation, in Revelation chapter 9, it says that they did not repent of their idolatry and of worshiping their false idols. That's the last stage of human history. So men that are alive today are going through the tribulation period, and they're worshiping what the Bible calls idols that's, that's relevant here, and they won't repent of their idol worship, and they will continue in it. And so do we have things, again, in our life that are idols or that are, um, you know, things? Here's here's a picture of something interesting. Kind of fits in the, you know, and again, to go to Starbucks and buy a cup of coffee. Are you worshiping an idol? I hope not because my coffee was good today. Um, now, I, I, I try just, just personally, you know, I'd rather go to Jana's than to Starbucks just because I... Um, you know, they, there's a lot of reasons I don't like to support Starbucks. They they're, they're anti-Israel in, in in some of their policies. They um, they're very liberal, and obviously from the top down. You know, there's there's something in that that's not innocent. There's something in that 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 is is idolatrous and that that is steeped in 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 idolatry. Um, this is something that I, I used to highlight before. Is this. Is this just innocent? This is a Kardashian Christmas card from 2014. So the question is, is it pagan? Is it idolatry or is it just innocent? And you'd have to, I guess, see it from a a closer view and some of the things that are some of the idolatry and some of the the symbolism that's used in this. Again, is that symbolism the same symbolism that we see in ancient cultures that, that represents idolatry, that represents false gods, or is it all innocent? So, you know, you, you can look at that card if you want. But you, what do you see behind one of the girls there in the in the middle in the triangle? You see the all-seeing eye. If you look down, you can't really see it. But there's on her feet is a picture of Jesus with the crown of thorns on his head, and it's that picture of uh, uh, one of those guys. Who's who's one of her husbands? Uh, Kanye West when he's when he's Black Jeezy, In his in his last concert was he was Black Jesus. And he would have a, a black Jesus come out in the show. and um, But anyways, that's his picture there. And just as you go through this, you you just see these symbols of idolatry in our world today and um, and all over the place. So, again, do do we bow down and worship them? Do any of you guys have little gods in your house that are carved, that are images? Do you have a statue of Buddha somewhere that you put fruit in front of or... Any of those gods that I just showed that you pay homage to on a daily basis? Is anybody in that category? Nobody. So then, is, um, is this relevant? Today, we, we say we have no carved images or statues that we bow down to. There's a story of a pastor's conference that took place in India. And one of the pastors was there, and um, he was um, one of the things that we do is we, we go and we train the pastors that are there to, to do the work. And so as we, as he was traveling, you know, in the places near where the pastor's conference were going to be, you know, there was all kinds of stuff going on. There was a place where he went in and they were, like, sacrificing chickens. And, you know, and, and in India, we know that there's tons of... Um, Idolatry, as far as worship of the cow, of the rat, of different things that take place. The philosophy is completely um, Eastern. And and again, they believe that um, God is in everything and that God is in the animals and that the animals are just as sacred as the people. And they're kind of on an even playing field. And that's why, you know, in a lot of places they won't eat the animals. They won't kill the rats. And so um, he's there. And, and they're worshiping everything under the sun. And this one place where he's at, they're literally sacrificing chickens. And so he, he spoke to one of the pastor's wives and he asked her, have you ever been in the United States? And she said, yes, I've been in the United States a long time ago. And he said, well, when are you going to come back and visit? And she said, I'll never go back because of um, there's too much idolatry. And he's like, I think the chickens would disagree that, that, that there's too much idolatry in the United States you know, what, what you know, and, and, and he started to think about um, maybe she's right. Maybe from a different culture, a different perspective that, that our Western culture is steeped in idolatry. And in her mind, there was too much idolatry in the United States and she couldn't stand it. She wouldn't come. And she loved Jesus. She was a pastor's wife. They were right on. And so he just kind of did a, a little thing and um, thinking maybe, you know, from her perspective, what was she seeing? What, what what did she see in the United States that made her think the idolatry was so much worse here? What if, what if we took, you know, we make fun of, right? We make fun of um, other gods, right? These are their little gods. I don't know what those things they have on them, but you know, like we, we make fun of them. what, we say we would never have those, we would never worship those, that's retarded. Who in the world would, would carve these gods? Why would Laban go through so much trouble to go and chase down his whole family and, and um, to get his gods back? Why, why did Laban go through all that? Why didn't he just go get some more in the corner store or something? What, why would Laban go through all that trouble to get these gods? But what if Laban... And and those people that we're making fun of, what if they could look in the future three thousand years to today? And they saw some of the things in our culture, how would they respond? What what would they what would they think if they saw this? You know what that is? As a college football game. What does that look like to you? Does it look like worship? Yay, nay? Looks like worship to me. I wish you guys worshiped like that. I wish our church looked like that. How about this one? What is this? What? And again, now we're talking about the perspective from Laban and those guys who are looking into our future today, and, and what does this look like? It, it, right? It has a certain feel. Same thing, same picture. Right? What does that look like to this woman who's from India who's looking at Western culture, and she's saying that your Western culture is steeped in idolatry? What is maybe maybe she has a point, right, when she sees something like this? Do you agree or not? Yes. So, um, how about these little uh, cuties here? <laughs> Bieber fever. I mean, they're dying. Like they're gonna pass out. They're like freaking out. Is is that again? When when the, the the rest of the world looks at Western culture and they see these images, does that speak of idolatry? Does it speak of worship? Is is, is are those things? How about here's here's another thing to step on your shoes. My pictures didn't fit in my slides, so I just left them there. But basically, that's on the left is an Oscar. The interesting thing about the Oscar award is the Oscar award is almost identical to Daniel's statue in, Daniel, in, in the book of Daniel. The statue that, that um, was in Daniel's dream. The statue that, that had went all the way through. It's identical to the, the idolatrous statue that Nebuchadnezzar erected and said everybody had to bow down and worship. On the upper left there, that's a Grammy. And on the bottom is an Emmy. But those are our major awards: um, Oscars are movies, Grammys are music. What are Emmys? TV. Um, here's somebody with his God, Clinching his little idol. But you know, and again, we we watch the Grammys or we watch the Emmys on TV, and you know, are we are we guilty of of the idolatry of? Um, you know, I'm not saying that. And 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 I go to concerts. And, and I like to go to shows and I like to go to sporting events. And um, I, I do those things in those pictures that I showed you guys. But that, that's, not, that's not the point that if you go to a sporting event and you go crazy for your team, if you go to a concert and you yell when, you're, when, you're, when your favorite guy comes on and whatever, that that's, that's idolatry or that that's pagan. But again, do, you, do we not, can, can it not become for us in our lives a stumbling block? Can it not become for in our lives a thing that we, we put in? What is idolatry and what is pagan? It's anything, as the second commandment says, it's anything that you put as a graven image or you put before God. It's what keeps you up at night. It's what, it's what gets you up early in the morning that, that is before God in your life. And I, and I would venture to say that many of the people... I don't know if I can back this up. Can I back this up? I would venture to say that many of the people in some of these photos are very guilty very guilty of idolatry that is their God, you know i don 't know how many people you 've personally talked to about personally talked to people that said that uh, church is on a bad day i don 't go to church because it gets in the way of football, and they got football tattoos and they paint their faces and they get really into it and really crazy about it, and they won 't go to church because church is in the way of the, of the football team that they follow and and, and like they don 't remember who won or lost two years ago but but it is everything and who they are it's idolatry right and it can become and it will become if it gets in the way of god how about this one even something that we call an american idol now again the show american idol honestly is is I like that show I watched You know, I I don't watch too many TV programs that are um, sitcoms. I don't get into them. I just don't dig them. We don't have the time for it. Very rarely, very never. If my TV's on, it's usually on Sports Center, or it's on, which is another one in itself. Okay, it's on Sports Center. It's on a game. It's on a ball game. Um, But we would watch when we would watch certain. This is one of them that we liked. But just the idea that, that, that these are American idols and, and the, the heart there. And here's something that's interesting as far as an idol. And again, we're looking at the perspective. If somebody 3,000 years ago, if Laban and his crew came and they saw this, what would they imagine? We, we build things that are idols and that are the most expensive and the biggest and the most ornate. And what happens in a place like this, we have one of the biggest idols and, and one of the biggest... Um, areas of idolatry in 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 our lives is is this idea of commercialism this idea of covetousness this idea of of having to dress a certain way look a certain way have a certain brand on your on your thing and it you know it can't say whatever it better say you know gucci or whatever the latest greatest is and this whole craze of it's idolatry it really is in its in its nature it's idolatry you know what brand jesus wore I don't either, but it wasn't guess and it wasn't, and and again, don't, don't get it, don't get it wrong. I went to the mall last week and I bought like a couple new pair of jeans that are expensive jeans that have a certain brand on them. But, you know, I got to be careful too, That, 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 that can't, our identity, our image cannot be wrapped up in the, the right pair, the right brand on our jeans versus the wrong brand. And that, and that, that our identity has to remain in Christ. And our identity can't remain, and our identity cannot be in our football team. It can't be in our favorite band in concert. It has to be in Jesus. Our identity is in Jesus. Who are you as a person? Man, I'm a Rams fan. I'm a, I'm a concert goer. I'm a shopper. I'm, I'm a, you're a Christian first. And, and, and Jesus is your identity, and not your brand, and not your label, and not your icon. And, and and we make, right? Apple Apple is a is an icon and this whole thing of iPhone and everything I comes with that brand that, that is so powerful that's an icon and again is viewed from from the outside looking in as idolatry, as as graven image. And sure, it's not a, a carved little naked person with funny body parts that we bow down to, but again, can it be an idol in our lives? Yes, it, it definitely can, right? Here's one for you guys. Crack book. It's like it's like you're on crack, you know, you just can't stop turning it on and you wake up to it in the morning, you go to bed with it at night and and again, it it can become idolatry in your life. It can be something that takes a lot of time and it's very consuming and and you know, is it is it healthy? Let's just put it that way. Is it healthy for you? you're a Christian, you're born again, you love Jesus, you're going to heaven, life is good and, and, and you, you enjoy keeping up on Facebook and you spend a, an hour a day on Facebook and you spend 30 minutes a week reading your Bible. You spend 10 minutes a, a week spending some time with the Lord and, and, and getting busy and, and praying and seeking God and knowing God and serving God. And so that's when those things that you put in your life before God become idolatry or idols. Almost done. We're going to be done early. I didn't think I'd finish. So, in the Old Testament, a um, couple examples. Again, we have Laban chasing his idols. And then we have a, an important scripture where God deals with idolatry and idols, just from a practical standpoint, in Isaiah 46. If you want, you could turn there, or you can just wait and I'll read it to you. In verse number one. Of Isaiah 46, it says, "Bell bows down and Nebo stoops. These are false gods, false idols. Their idols were on the beasts and on the cattle. Your carriages were heavily loaded and burdened to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but they themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and to all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth. Who have been carried from the tomb. Enter even to your old age. I am he. And even to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made. I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Verse 5. This important part. To whom will you liken me. And make me equal. And compare me. So God says to whom will you liken me. So you have God and 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 I'm the God that created the heavens and the earth. And to whom whom will you fashion or liken me? What what will be your image, your graven image, your altar, your 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 that you create of God? You know, so much in the some of it, so much of our idolatry, idolatry revolves around the person in the mirror. And, and, and really, the idolatry that, that that becomes difficult and the most difficult, like I said, because it 's not practical that, that for most of us that we worship these false idols, but, but ourselves becomes an idol our, our, we, we put ourselves in the place of God in so many areas, and we don 't like something that the Word of God teaches or says, and it doesn 't fit with our culture and it doesn 't fit with our opinion, and so we want to change God into our image, into our likeness into what we think think the Bible should say or what the, the right and wrong should be. And, 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 and that's idolatry. That's one of the highest and worst and most probably prevalent forms of idolatry is when we don't just take the word of God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans, right? Super important that we understand that, that, that our, our, our image of God is shaped according to his word. And, and when His Word disagrees with your culture, when His Word disagrees with your opinion and, and your um, geopolitical landscape of, of the world, then God's Word is correct and our image needs to change to fit, to fit that and not vice versa. And, and this is what's, what's so prevalent in the world today. Even among pastors, there's, there's a big move among certain pastors of big, huge churches. And I, I watched an interview of one of these guys with Oprah Winfrey and 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 he belittled the 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 letters that were written two thousand years ago, and a God who can't get with the times, and that that's not God. God God can get with the times, and, and, and God is 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 relevant and God is current to 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 2016 culture, and that's why that that's nonsense. The the word of God and those things in the word of God, specifically dealing with 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 this cultural battle of homosexuality as a sin or not. And he's saying that, oh, that, that, that God is, is relevant, and then that's wrong. And he, he's taken what his idea is and his image, and he's made that into God. And then Isaiah says in verse number six, he says, They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and they make it a god and they prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship it. They take their gold and their silver and they lay it out in abundance on the scale. They hire a goldsmith and a silversmith to come in and fashion it into a god. They prostrate themselves. They lay down before it. They worship it. And God says in verse 7, they bear it on the shoulders and they carry it and set it in its place and it stands from its place it shall not move though one cries out to it yet it cannot answer nor save him from his trouble you know the thing is god is is starting to make fun of this idea of what we do with these idols and these gods in our lives we put them on our shoulders because we have to carry our gods we we put them in their place and they don't move and we have to stand them up so that they can stand on their own too we bow down to them, but they, they don't help, they don't serve. In verse 8, he says, Remember this, and show yourself, and recall to mind, O you transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I, and I will do all my, pres- my pleasure." And so he says, you you have gods, you you carve little eyes in your gods, yet your gods can't see. You carve little ears on your gods, yet your gods can't hear. You carve hands and feet on your gods, yet your gods, these false gods, they can't help you or serve you or reach you. So let's go to the New Testament. A couple things as far as just being relevant for idols and that this idea... Is, is New Testament. The first one is in Acts chapter 15. And so in Acts chapter 15, basically what's happening is the, um, the early church is growing. And many of the Jews are getting saved. And as the Jews are getting saved, some of, some of the Jews are um, wanting the, the new converts to Christianity to follow the Mosaic law. And so they're having a big fight as far as what part of the Mosaic Law do they need to follow? What is what do we need to carry over to the New Testament? And we, we have again, we we have a time period where people who could have been born and rightfully lived under the law of Moses, and at some t- point in their life, let's take somebody who was um, twenty years old when Jesus um, died on a cross. And rose again. And they lived 20 years of their life, or 30 years of their life, let's say, um, under the Mosaic law as a good Jewish boy following the law. And now, the, now Jesus dies on the cross. He raises again. The, the Holy Spirit is poured out in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And then, and then now, the second half of their life, they get saved. They receive Jesus as the Messiah. And now they no longer have to follow the Mosaic law. And, and so there was this battle going on. The one that we don't face too much today but that was real in their day. And so they have a council in Acts chapter 15. And the council is going to finally solve the question of what are we going to require them. And so they have these meetings and then the council um, gives the final answer and the decree. They're going to put it in the hands of Paul and have Paul spread it throughout all the churches. And this is what it says in verse 24 of Acts 15. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send choice men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men whom have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Verse 29 is the list in a nutshell: that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well, farewell. Very simple: sexual immorality and things offered to idols. And so there was, again, now we're, we're not in Laban's day anymore. We're not in the book of Genesis. And, and we're not in these days where people were fashioning gods. And now we're after Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And idolatry is an issue in the hearts of men. And, and, and the early church thinks it's very important to tell them not to, not to, to um, have things sacrificed to idols. And then in Acts 17, if you just turn the page in verse 16... It says, now when Paul, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to, is anybody there? The city in chapter Acts 17, 16, the city was given over to what? So are we still in human history struggling with the idea of false idols, false gods? Now, now we're in Athens, Greece, the Mecca of education philosophy of higher learning of of um everything that has to do with education and growing and knowledge and learning and 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 imparting and paul is there in athens and he's troubled in his heart because of the many false idols and false gods that are being worshiped by the by the greeks Greeks in in Athens, and this is where Paul's going to go on, and he's going to go to all the different um, polytheistic gods and the many different gods that are worshipped there. And there was one; they even had a god there, and it was it was the inscription under it said to the unknown god, and they thought just in case we forgot one. We, we want to have an idol and an inscription and we want to worship and serve a God that we forgot. So they made one to the unknown God and Paul looked at all their gods and he saw this one statue and he said, hey, that's the God I want to talk to you about, this unknown God. And then he began to tell them about Jesus and God. And so then if we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in 1 Thessalonians we have a commendation. And in First Thessalonians, and now we are years past Paul's experience in Athens. The early church's letter in Acts chapter 15. Now we're all the way in Thessalonica and the church is growing. And, and this is a commendation, a, a praise report. And it says, For they themselves declared concerning what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned, from, turned to God from... First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So you turned to God from idols. And so again, we have in human history, we have human beings like you and I, New Testament, who, who are worshiping and serving idols. Idolatry is a problem in their lives. And, and they are continuing to study it. And then we have the very last book, Written chronologically. Now, in our Bible, the last book is what? Revelation. We'll get to that. But um, many, 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 myself included. Um, I'm not a scholar. I was going to say many scholars, myself included. I'm not, I'm not a biblical scholar. But, um, you know, if you read the commentaries in the books that that John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos, he, he received the revelation and penned the book of Revelation. Then when he came back... He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John late in life in, in Ephesus, which in chronological order was the last book of the Bible that was written. And so in the last 20 years there, from 80 to 100, we get the last several books, and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John being the last books that were written. And so we have the last thing, one of the last things, in the last verses of 1st John, chapter 5, verse 20, 21. John says, "Little children." keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That's John's final salutation. The apostle of love. This guy who's going to spend very little vocabulary words, a lot of repetition to tell us to love one another. and, And yet he's concerned for his little children. And he says, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from things in your life that are idolatry. Things in your life, what is idolatry? What are idols? Is there anything in your life that you put before God? Anything in your life that that changes the image of God into your image that's not according to the Word of God? Anything that keeps you up at night? Anything that gets you up early in the morning? Anything that you spend your your time, your money, your energy on that's outside of God's will for your life? Things that we put in front of God whether that's finances, whether that's education, whether that's, that's drugs and alcohol, whatever it is, anything. And John says, keep yourself from these things. And then one more in, in Revelation chapter 9. And now this, this book was penned earlier, but it's, it's chronicling the last point of, of, of human history as we know it. We've now entered the seven-year tribulation period. The church has been removed. We, we, we're in heaven. God is pouring His wrath out upon a Christ-rejecting world. In Revelation chapter 9, and, and one of the, the phrases that you see repeated through God's judgment in Revelation, is yet they did not repent. Yet they did not repent. Yet they did not repent. And so according to God's judgment, many of these men, they're not coming to repentance. And in uh, Revelation chapter 9 and verse 20, still a struggle and no repentance. It says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues. So many plagues and many third, two thirds of mankind have been killed by the plagues. But the rest of them, they did not repent of their works, of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. What things do we worship that are made out of, out, of, uh, out of wood? Our houses, things we live in, buildings. And it says here that, that God is completely pouring out His wrath upon these men, and yet they did not repent from their worshiping of their idols. So is idol worship a problem that's relevant for today? I may. I, I took a lot of time to prove that point. I took a lot of time to prove that point. So, so, again, just in conclusion, now, we're going to, um, we'll, I want to finish the verse, but in conclusion to the, the, the whole idolatry thing, we, we pointed out some things in your life. And, again, my heart is not to be, I don't see the devil in everything. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that devil made me do it. And the devil's in the pudding and the devil's in the TV. I do think that there's things, and we talked about this kind of candidly a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning. I think as, as Christian people, we have to use discernment i think we should use wise choice for our kids and what kind of programming we're bringing into our house and what kind of things we're allowing them to plug into their heads and 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 what kind of things that we plug into our hearts and our heads through through some of those examples that i shared whether whether it's sports or music or television or movies that that there should be and and i hope you would agree that there should be a level of discernment and 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 and, and really wisdom and it's not legalistic it's wisdom it's it's not self-righteousness it's righteousness it's it's just making wise choices of things that 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 are not good that are not godly and 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 don't believe that lie that it's not going to affect us that that we can we can take all this stuff in we can listen to whatever we want we can watch whatever we want we can go wherever we want to go and, and and it's not gonna affect our lives. You know you know what a Super Bowl ad cost last year for the Super Bowl? For thirty second ad? What were we up to last year? About two, three million? Three million for a sixty second ad, is that what it was? Do you think those companies spend three million dollars to get your attention for sixty seconds because it doesn't work? Because it doesn't affect how you purchase, how you buy, how you live? What you take in, it does affect you. I care what you say. What you listen to, it, it affects you. It affects you, it affects you, it affects you. And so all those examples that I gave, again, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not, I'm not again, we're not judging anybody. I, I, I tried to be honest that, you know, a lot of those things, I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of that stuff. We do a lot of that stuff. But I'm saying that we, we, we do need to have discernment. We need to have discretion. We need to be careful. We need to make sure that God comes first in every area of our lives and, and that, that that's what we're doing with our kids, and, and, and that's what we're, we're, you know, and our kids don't understand, and our kids are going to think again that we're trying to keep them from from freedoms, but actually what we're doing is is we're enabling them later in life to have more freedom because they're not going to live their lives stuck in bondage to to whatever kind of addiction that they that they were in, and the harder we are now, the more free they're going to live as they get out of the house and as they get older. And so... Just using wisdom. And then God says back in Exodus, just to finish that, that commandment, He says, verse 4 You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven or on the earth or under beneath the earth or under the earth. That was 4, recovered that. 5, You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Spend just a minute on this. God is a jealous God. What's the first thing your atheist buddy's going to tell you about the God that you love and serve? What kind of what kind of loser God is? He's jealous. He's a narcissist, jealous. You know, and they're going to take and they're going to attack this idea that God says that He's a jealous God. And, and then you might ask, you know, maybe one of your atheist friends is is married, and you'd ask him, hey, so what? How would you feel if um if your wife brought her boyfriend to dinner tonight at your house? Would you be cool with that? Would you be cool if your if your wife said, hey, me and my boyfriend, we're gonna we're gonna go hang out. Why don't you just wait in here for a while? Would you be cool with that? What do you mean what do you mean no, you wouldn't be cool with that? You're not okay with sharing your bride with, with somebody else? And, and and God God wants it, God wants exclusivism. It's not love, it's not relationship. It, it, you, know, you know, these, these couples who, who who say they have an open relationship. There's no way you can love each other and have an open relationship. There's no way your heart wouldn't rip out of your chest if you loved somebody and, and you knew that, that they were doing something with somebody else. That's not love. There's no way you could have love or, or genuine relationship if there's not a healthy jealousy, right? It's, it's just not there. I don't know how they do it. They don't love each other. You know who they love? They love themselves. But I'll tell you what, I'm a I'm a jealous husband. And 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 there there's you know a couple things that'll make me really angry. And and it has to do with my wife. You know, I'll get in the flesh quick. Only a couple times have I really really wanted to fight somebody since I've been a pastor. Like I was really ready to And and both times, two times, it was because they hit on my wife. And I was upset. I was jealous and I was mad. And, and, and God is jealous. And, and He doesn't want us worshiping and serving false gods and, and, and idols and bowing down to them and making carved images of them or having graven images of them. He doesn't want it. And we don't do it. And we don't worship those things. And so the fact that God is jealous, how could it be any other way, Right? And then it goes on in verse number six and it says, or the last half of five says of the fathers upon the children to the third generation and fourth generation to those who hate me. So God's going to visit the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. And we do see in in life just practically that that when we sow to the wind, we're going to reap to the whirlwind. Pastor Steve Mays, and I don't know all the numbers, don't quote me tonight, but my my pastor that I got at the church at Calvary Chapel in Southern California near my house where I started to go when I first met Jesus in 1994 used to tell this story all the time. It was a true story. And it was a true story of a man and his wife who went on and, and they had like seven kids, and then their seven kids between them, they each had three or four kids, went to like 40 kids. And then those 40 kids, if they each had um, three kids or four kids, it would go to like 160 kids. And then, you know, those numbers go pretty quick, right? And so the, the, he went from the, 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 the family tree of a family who didn't serve God and know God, And a true story as their family tree went out, the amount of people that that as this generations of this lifestyle continued in that were in prison, that were guilty of murders and rapes and crimes and troubles and just crazy astronomical numbers of percentage of this family tree, that that ended up in prison and in jail and and guilty of all kinds of crimes and atrocities. And then another man and his wife in the same family tree who loved God and served God, and how many people in their family tree that came out to be doctors and professionals and teachers and pastors and missionaries and all of the good that happened. But one of the things that, you know, to me really jumps out in in 5 and 6 is he says he's going to visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me the enemies of God and then on verse 6 he says but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments so god's god's wrath he's going to put out to three or four generations but his love and his mercy he's going to pour that out to thousands and it's going to keep going to thousands of, of generations of people along the way, because God delights in His goodness, and and you know what, generational curses or generational just kind of tendencies that we pick up, those can be broken in any one of our lives. We can start fresh right today. We could have we could be on that bad side of that family tree, and we could stop today and get our lives and our hearts right with Jesus, and start our own family tree of you know of of, of a family that that receives God's blessing, and nobody lives under, you know, the idea that my dad and my grandpa and his dad were all alcoholics and I'm just bound to be an alcoholic. Jesus breaks those chains. Jesus breaks the bondage of, of those things in our lives. Amen? So we are um, just about done. But I said, and I want to keep to it, because I think it's really important for me, um, that, that I started and I'm going to end with basically the same thing. Why, why don't we like the commandments? Why don't we like the idea of, following rules and regulations that God lays out. We what? We feel limited, right? We feel bound by these things. But again, I want us to believe because it's so important to our Christianity. It's so important, first of all, to, at, for the foundation of your Christianity has to be this, that God is good. The God we serve is a good God. And He's on your team. He's on your side. He's for you. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. And He's laid out for us, starting with the Ten Commandments, rules and regulations, and they're not to bind us. They're not to bind us and limit us. They're to keep us free. And so many of those things, we can take them out. You know, the Bible says one of the things in the commandments, it says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Be be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, I can't drink not in the morning, not for breakfast, not a good idea. Okay. What, what happens in our life if we give ourselves over to strong drink? Does that create a freedom? Is that something where, oh all, man, this is just here to bind me and I'm just going to give myself over to that. What happens to those that give themselves over to alcohol? Do they end up more free or less free? And God set that out. God laid that out for us. He put a little fence around it for us. And he said, "He said, hey, here's the parameters. Here's, here's the rules. Here's the regulations. Not because I don't love you. Not because I'm a, I'm a God that wants to bind you. But because it's going to create bondage. You're going to go back to Egypt. I came and I did ten plagues and miracles to bring you out of bondage. I want to keep you out of bondage. And so here's where we're going to start. Here's the fence. Here's the parameters Here are the things that will destroy your life if you pursue them. Have no gods before me. Have no graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. These are things that God has put in our lives to to give us and keep us free from bondage. Amen? Amen, all right, let's let's pray. Father God, we come before you, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this day. and God, I thank you for, uh, for your commandments, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, you do love us and that you, you really concern Jesus, that we stay free. And God, just the truth is that that each one of us we're created to worship. and, and Lord, we will, by nature, we're people that worship. And whether we worship you or whether we worship false idols and false gods, we're going to worship. And so, Lord, we, we, we thank you that you've laid out some commandments and some rules that, that make us free to worship you, that help us in worshiping you, and not be, be stuck and caught in the bondage and the lies and the cares of this world and the things, Lord Jesus, that, that, that provide for, for bondage. And yet, Lord, that that you love us and you care for us. And I pray, Lord, for anybody in here tonight, Jesus, who may be struggling with with bondage, who may, um, Lord, need to be set free and have chains upon their ankles, Lord, and um, Lord, that you would break those chains tonight, Lord Jesus. You would break those chains and Jesus, set them free. I pray that you pour your love and your spirit out upon them in a mighty and a powerful way, God. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.